Welcome, everyone, to the Nick's Infinite Playlist Podcast, a show where we always talk about something because something is always on. I'm your host, Nick Hogan. With me this week is our first returning guest, Adam Davis. Adam, reintroduce yourself to the people. Yay, returning guest. Yay, woo! <laughs> um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, like I said last time, you know, I'm uh, Adam Davis. Find me on Twitter at Fraud Syndrome. Um, I've got four kids who are now all freshly out of school. Well, the three are freshly out of school. So that's going to be exciting. Um, fighting with them all day, every day. And yeah, it used to get us into the school. It was great. Now, not so much. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> and then my, my youngest has on, is already on her countdown. She starts kindergarten this year. So she's counting down the days. Yeah. Letting us know. I start kindergarten. Yes, seriously, we know. <laughs> have, you told, have I told you this hour that I'm starting kindergarten? Uh, <laughs> yeah, so, so you know exactly how it is. Got it. Yeah. Mine's starting preschool in the fall, and she can't stop talking about it. Yes. So uh, I'm, I'm right there with you. <laughs> so welcome back. Uh, what's new? Anything uh, exciting happened to you in our off time? No, not really. Um, <laughs> You know, back to work full time finally because I was out for I was on leave and I was on vacation and then just back to the 50, 60 hour a week grind. Um, you know, trying to get some movie time in and some different stuff. A lot of really exciting things going on with movies right now and movie trailers. Yeah. That I've not been able to really follow through on yet. So. Yeah. Um, it's kind of where I'm at. Yeah, that's uh, I've because I now have two kids. I have to go to movies really late at night and I'm also over 30 now. So I fall asleep in movies. Exactly. Um, Congratulations. <laughs> on YouTube, by the way. Let me, let me just formally say that I told you earlier, but thank you, know, you. officially on the podcast. You know, yeah. congratulations. Seen pictures. She's beautiful. Thank you so much. Uh, it's really exciting and I haven't slept much and <laughs> it, everything's fine. Um, so I guess we can just dive right in because the big elephant in the room is, Game of Thrones is now over forever. Isn't it though? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Which, you know, is good or bad depending on how you look at it. Um, So what did you think of the season and what did you think of the ending? You know, I, it was very fast. Mm -hmm. The pacing was very bad, which I know is kind of a complaint for everyone. So Mm -hmm. I won't, I won't, I won't bang that drum too loudly or too long, but um, it was, it went by very quickly um, you know, I said, you, you said, you know, it's either good or it's bad. I, I don't know that it was either. Was yeah. it? I feel kind of, yeah, it just kind of was. Yeah. I mean, so my general feelings are there were some really iconic moments and iconic episodes even, and still flashes of what made Game of Thrones the great show that it was in the first place. And, but by the end, I was just kind of like, um, and I couldn't sum up my feelings in words because it doesn't really translate to print very well. Um, but that's just how, you know, by the finale, I was like, well, you know, I, I didn't hate it, but I didn't love it. Um, and you know, but some of the episodes in the middle there were pretty good. I, I think, I think what we got was good. I think it was, I mean, it was fine. I just felt like there wasn't a lot that was developed in the way that we had kind of talked through preseason saying, you know, this is kind of what we want to see. And this is, you know, these are the big looming questions and how is this going to play in? And, you know, how is John's Targaryen lineage going to play into the end game? 
Uh, it's not. <laughs> right. That's what we got. So some of that kind of stuff, it, it left me, I'm not going to say with a bad taste in my mouth, but it's not, I just didn't get what I thought I was going to get out of, out of those six episodes. Right. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, you always hope that your favorite show is ending and, and it'll tie everything up in a neat little bow. And it definitely did not do that. Um, it's, it subverted expectations or at least tried to subvert expectations. And, um, you know, the, the Targaryen thing was, see, I've, I've thought through most of it and I think that a lot of it makes sense to me, even if I don't agree with it, like, uh, John being a Targaryen, that whole subplot that's lasted eight years was just a way for Daenerys to mistrust him enough to destroy King's Lane. Um, <laughs> that, that's, and, I, and I could see that. I just, yeah. Um, but, and you know, stuff like, you know, Jamie Lannister is another one that I, that I saw a lot of complaints about when I'm scrolling through Twitter. And I was like, you know, I hated that because I wanted to see Jamie Lannister do the right thing and become a better person and grow. But ultimately is he that person or is he the guy that goes back to Cersei every time? And I was like, well, you know, I could probably defend that choice because he's, you know, if you're comparing it to your real life, do you know people who keep going back to relationships like that? Because I do. Right. And we want Jamie to grow and we want Jamie to change, but people don't always change. And we, we've got to kind of accept that for what it is. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, what they were going for. Mm-hmm. I, again, I just think the way they pushed us through it as quickly as they did. Right. That's where the, that's where the, my bigger complaints come from. Yeah. I don't, I don't know why they didn't. Um, I don't know if there was what my understanding is that the creators asked for 13 episodes out of season seven and season eight. And I just don't understand that. I don't know if it was a, a budget thing or they were feeling pressure on to wrap it up. Um, you know, they were worried they were going to lose uh, Heedy and Clark and Harrington and, and Sophie Turner and Maisie Williams to other projects. I would understand. Um, yeah. I, I was, I'm under the impression HBO gave them the green light, said, look, you've got these people on contract. We will pay them whatever. We will pay you whatever. We will give you all the money you want. Do it right and take your time. And Benioff and Weiss were like, meh, we could do it in 13 episodes. <laughs> And I mean, maybe they're just chomping at the bit to get started on their Star Wars trilogy. Like, I don't know. But, you know, I definitely recognize that it felt rushed. Um, and just that it's, it's more surprising to me than anything that it did feel rushed because it seems like HBO's already poured so much money into it. Why not do it right? Why right. not give us 10 episodes an hour and a half long each at the end? Uh, right because i think if you just take these first three episodes of this season and move them to the end of last season mm -hmm. um, and give us 10 episodes there and you end with the night king being killed and you know them saving winterfell and all that i think that's a good place to end season seven then you can spend 10 episodes in season eight setting up the fall of king's landing Mm -hmm. the turn for daenerys because it, it, again, it just happened so fast, but it's all there. All the, you know, all the groundwork is there. We just have to get to it, and they rushed us through it so fast, people couldn't really take the time to look at it. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, you know, they, they should have 
they should have done it that way. I, I don't know. Um, you know, cause I objectively, the characters that I wanted to see survive survived, you know, and uh, it seemed like that a lot of them got the endings that they deserved or that they wanted, but it was just like, Oh yep. I guess John's going to kill Daenerys now. That That's fine. Uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's like, I'm not complaining about where the characters ended up. I don't feel like they right. got it wrong necessarily. Right. Um, I feel like every, I mean, and we can go through character by character if we want to here in a little bit and kind of figure out who ended where, but I don't, I don't, there's nobody that's like, Oh, I, that came out of left field or Oh, that's really not where that character should be. Like, everybody ended up where they're supposed to be. It's just how they got there. And that's what, that's what's left me wanting. Yeah, exactly. Um, cause you know, cause I couldn't help but be a, you know, grin a little that, that the, you know, your, I don't remember what it's called, but the King's version of the president's cabinet has Tyrion and Bronn and, and Sam and Sir Davos. Like I was like, I don't, and, and Brienne, like, I don't think it gets better than that. Right. Um, but just, it's just like, I would have liked to see more about how that came to be and uh, more about all of the fallout from that and more about Daenerys and her fall and her, you know, reign as mad queen, however brief. Right. Um, and even maybe see a little bit more about where Arya ended up or um, stuff like that. And it was right. just like, oh, no, this is how George R. R. Martin wanted us to end it. And we just uh, kind of, we saw it and then we tripped and landed on top of it. <laughs> yeah. I, and I think, I mean, we're not going to get a whole lot as far as where they, what happened after the fact, right. after the all, everything's said and done. Um, but, you know, I, I did want more of that. I did want to see, you know, a little bit of where Arya ended up, um, a little bit of where Sansa ended up, you know, yeah, she's in the North and she's queen, but what, what now? Uh, right. I, I don't feel like there's anything, any kind of setup for that at all to show us this is where things might be going for Santa in the future. Yeah. And I just feel like the only thing reason it's even so frustrating is because I feel like they took their time until now. Right. Um, and you know, and I wasn't, I didn't have a problem necessarily with season seven and just like cutting out all of the travel because like, what's the point of showing us that? But right. then, you know, the, it's like they got the stone rolling and they couldn't stop it. Um, they were just like, Oh, well, we're at this pace now. So we're just going to keep it right along. Uh, you know, so I, I don't know what they were thinking. I, I wasn't wholly unsatisfied. Like I'm, I was looking at IMDb and the ratings go very far down um, on IMDb. And so I was not as upset as some of those people. And right. I think that thinking about it objectively, uh, you know, a lot of people ended up where they should have ended up, but I was, I was wholly dissatisfied by the execution. Yeah. And I think, you know, 10 years from now, we'll go back and look at this. Um, like we have with so many other finales down the line and say, you know what? It, it's not as bad as I thought. Right. Um, it, we're, it, the pacing is still going to be a problem, but I think people are going to be less upset about it mm -hmm. than they are right now on the rewatch when they go back again, you know, ask me in 10 years. Um, right. I think there's going to be some differences there on opinion, mm -hmm. and how people feel about this final season. 
Yeah. And you know, the people will get, a, there'll be a lot of Buzzfeed think pieces about 10 years removed from the game of Thrones finale. I'm sure. Oh um, yeah. We saw, it, we saw it like 10 years out from lost or whatever, five years out from lost or whatever it was, where there was just so much stuff coming out. Yeah. Um, the legacy of lost. And I mean, we're going to see that with any show that affects pop culture and affects mass media the way game of thrones has absolutely uh and i think that a lot of the you know i I was baffled at some of the reactions that that happened uh but then i was like you know i don't think that i think game of thrones was really like a everybody watches this kind of show right and i don't know that even even as popular as dexter was lost was how i met your mother was I don't think that any of them were the same in terms of magnitude. No, they had very loyal fan bases, but as far as the size of a fan base. Right. When you've got Stephen King weighing in on Twitter about how he felt about the Game of Thrones finale. Yeah. You get a guy like Aaron Rodgers who's never felt anything about anything ever. Right. Losing his mind in a press conference over this show. I mean, you know you've got something big. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the uh, Aaron Rodgers even cameoed, apparently, uh, yeah. in the final season. And so did, uh, you know, as a side note, so did Rob McElhenney from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia and Martin yeah. Starr from Silicon Valley. Um, <laughs> but I've always just thought those were amusing. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that part of what contributed to such uh, the vitriol that you see online after the finale is over was largely due in part to the it's just on a bigger scale than anything anybody's been obsessed with before you know right people are like you know you say what tv do you watch and almost everybody will say game of thrones right um nobody and there's either and that's the other thing is that everybody's if they don't watch game of thrones they're even quicker to tell you so uh, i don't watch game of thrones um good for you uh so i think that either you either watch or you don't you know there's not like oh i watched the first three seasons uh it's either you did or you didn't right so there's a lot there's a lot of people out there who were dissatisfied because and i don't think they just they're used to being disappointed or they may not be used to watching a show that's gets canceled halfway through and you just never get to finish it Right. I think if you got the percentages of the number of people who watch versus the number of people who are disappointed, mm-hmm. it's going to be in line with anything else. It's just the, the numbers that you have are so much greater. Right. And it's, it's uh, and maybe more than ever, social media is a way for me, people to express that displeasure. Right. You know, cause arguably um, how I met your mother ended eight years ago. Um, something like that. Maybe not quite. That, that feels long. right. Um, and, and that was around the same time that loss ended too. You know, loss was before that. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, how I met your mother in 2014, so five years ago. Um, but f- maybe for most people, it ended seven years, uh, eight years ago. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so you know, there, there may just there's even just that distance they don't remember how it felt when something like that disappointed them uh but you know ultimately i'm uh i'm not sad about it i enjoyed the time that i had with it 
and I'm kind of ready to move into other things. Uh, you know? Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I, I thought it was really funny that HBO was advertising all of their new, like their genre series and their fantasy series before the finale aired. Cause they're, they're like, please God, don't cancel your subscription. <laughs> um, <laughs> we Which we all replied, <laughs> you know, I need to cancel my subscription. Right. Uh, and I, who knows how much of that happened after game of Thrones ended. I can tell you at least one subscription got canceled. <laughs> um, mine's, I have an unlimited phone plan from AT&T, so mine is free. So that's the only reason I didn't cancel mine. Right. But, you know, so I'm kind of interested in what they have next. But, you know, I'm, I'm not as upset about other people, but I still was kind of like, eh, about the whole thing. Right. So I wanted to ask you, who do you think got the best ending? The best ending. I mean, you got to say Sansa, right? Like she got everything she wanted. Yeah. Um, as far as the most satisfying ending, I, I, I don't know. I don't know if that's the case with that. Maybe Arya is where I would land with that. Yeah. Um, she's, she just kind of gets to go off and be Arya. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I mean, there's not really a whole lot of, again, nobody's in a bad spot. Nobody's in a real good spot. Everybody just kind of is. They kind of continue on existing. Yeah, it's uh, kind of seems like I. I'll get to this in a second, but it kind of seems like a, a circle of life for Westeros. Um, I actually was gonna say that I'm pretty happy with the way things ended for John, because I know he didn't want to sit on the Iron Throne, and ultimately, even though it came from this unceremonious banishment, um, he wanted in my mind to go live with the free folk about North of the wall. Yeah, he just and, wanted to go off and be John. Right. So he didn't want to be Aegon Targaryen. He didn't want to be the bastard of Winterfell or King in the North. Right. And I think, you know, when Bran says you're going back to the night's watch, John knows we don't need a night's watch. Bran knows we don't need a night's watch. He's saying, go live your life. I'm letting you be. Right. And so he reunites with Ghost, he reunites with Tormund, and he goes to be the guy he wants to be. And so I just, I think ultimately, like if you're, if you're viewing it from a today, the day that we're recording this is a year after, is a year after Game of Thrones ends in the world of the show, I think John may be the happiest. Right. Um, but that's just, I think uh, things ended pretty well for Sansa and Arya and for Sam, uh, you know, who's, who's got his own little family going there. Right. And uh, yeah. Bronn is probably pretty happy. How, how do you, uh, let's go back to Sam real quick. How do you feel about Sam not being the one to write a song of ice and fire? <laughs> like that's something that bothers me more than I think it should. Yeah. Um, and I just want to get your take on that. Um, I don't know that it that it bothers me, but um, it seemed the more obvious answer to have him do it. I don't right. know why they just doesn't. It was kind of a weird. Oh yeah, I didn't do that. 
um, this random red shirt we've never met. He wrote this book. I, I helped with the title though. <laughs> okay, thanks, Sam. Right. Um, it's just, yeah, it seems, it seems strange. Um, but I think Sam is too happy to care. So it doesn't bother me that much. That's fair. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, he's, he's got Gilly and nobody knows she's not nobleborn now because everyone's dead. Um, right. <laughs> nobleborn is kind of a thing of the past almost. Yeah. The way and, they're trying to run things at least. Yeah. And it's not like the group of people he's hanging around at the Citadel or, you know, the, the Tyrion and Bronn and, and Brienne are, are going to judge him. Right. right. The, fa- the so, fact that as a maester, he gets to have a family and yeah, all that. I mean, there's there's something to be said for that. Absolutely. Um, so I'm ultimately like uh, my favorite characters, Sam and Tormund, make it out alive. They seem to have pretty happy endings. Uh, so you know, I can't be too upset about anything else that happened. But um, one thing I was going to ask is that, um, and I think maybe the ending was supposed to be. It was supposed to make us believe that the cycle had kind of ended, but I wondered if if we would feel differently about it if we had seen more of Robert's Rebellion and how things ended the first time. Because I just, you know, if they're if if they wanted to break the wheel, I think they may have done it. But I wonder if ten years down the line, somebody's going to try to usurp Bran and start it all over again right or or when bran does eventually pass on right you know he he leaves no heirs and that's kind of the point but is it really going to work the way they want it to work right because by then the advisors that he's picked are long dead so does the successor of Tyrion, the successor of sam the successor of bron the successor of davos do those people pick the right person Right. Is I think, you know, they could pick the next Joffrey and then it's starts all over again. Right. So I wondered if they if there had been some some more insight into Robert's rebellion if we would feel differently about the whole thing. Just be just to see the previous cycle and because they just pretty much told us about the previous cycle and then we saw this cycle. Right. Um see how this ends and how this goes, but so does it really leave the world in a better place right and i think that at the end of game of thrones it does but it's like i don't know did they really is it really over yeah and i think you kind of you kind of get a little hint to that at that small council meeting Mm -hmm. where you know brand's there he shows up finally for the meeting and then he just leaves and like isn't running his kingdom Right. He's doing exactly what Robert did. Like, Bran come to a small council meeting, <laughs> and then Tyrion just goes into like telling jackass and honeycomb jokes again. <laughs> so, like, do, do we really change anything? Like, there's a lot more corpses, but is anything really that different? Right, and, and I don't know for sure that it is, but um, I certainly, I also, I do respect uh, Bran's approach to leadership in the sense that he picked the best people and just let them do the day-to-day right um let them do things and i, I mean i get that but. president's staff president's chief of staff and cabinet um which you know i'd much rather have the people from game of thrones than our 
current administration, but here we are. Uh, <laughs> or really any administration of the past, of my lifetime. Um, of, of any lifetime. Let's just call it spade a spade. I mean, I'd love to have Braun as master of coin for the United States. Uh, <laughs> but here we are. But, you know, the, the it's, uh, it's basically the same. Robert picked the best people he knew and spent all his time, you know, drinking and whoring around so what really changes right but uh you know ultimately i'm satisfied um i will learn lessons and take this into whatever i watch next right um anything else you want to add about game of thrones a couple of things i do want to touch on so People have been asking about, you know, what are we going to, are we going to get more Game of Thrones? Are we going to get a follow-up series or anything like that? Uh, I I don't, I think the answer immediately is no. But Mm -hmm. what do you think, you know, 20 years from now, 25 years from now, we're looking at, you know, some of these actors maybe wanting to come back and touch on these characters that gave them their start. Do we see a mini series or something? Um, A ninth season, Uh, you know, maybe a la the big chill from <laughs> then, you know, brand dies and everybody comes back for the funeral of the King. And right. You, I mean, is that a possibility or do you think we're done with this timeline of game of Thrones? I think, um, we're probably done. I don't know that I would totally rule it out just because, um, if you could get, if George R. R. Martin cranks out two books and then comes up with another idea and says, you know, I'd really like to get everybody back together and do this. Then I think people might be on board with it, but barring that happening, um, I just, I just don't see it. I don't see them. First of all, I don't see HBO ever having the cash to get these people back together because at least half of them are going to be huge stars. Right. um, If they're not already, which most of them are household names by now. So there's that problem. Um, now do I think, you know, I knew that there were already like spinoff kind of set in Westeros series and development. I definitely think at least one of those makes it to air. Right. And, and We've got of, one that's being filmed, right? The pilot being filmed right now. Yeah. Um, one that's focusing on the long night, I believe Naomi Watts is starring. Huh. So that's, I mean, that's something. Um, yeah, that's cool. Uh, I didn't know that. Um, and I think that God, what was I gonna say? I'm tired. I have a new baby. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so I think that we they definitely keep doing things in Westeros, and I think that if they feel like it's flailing, they might try to pull a few of the Walking Dead and inject it with some Walking Dead, right? Um, you know, hey, we might be able to fit Ned Stark into this. Let's see if we can do that. That's or we might be able to set if it's set after the events of Game of Thrones. Let's see if we can tie Arya into this, or we can re- we can name drop somebody or reference something that we know about. Right, and so I definitely think that is going to be happening. Um, you know, and I I wouldn't be opposed to to seeing more stories play out in this world. Um, but do I think that they'll get any? you know, more than one of the original cast back in a time. No, I don't. That's fair. 
I do. If, if we're going to get something like a little bit of something, I do want the straight to DVD video of Gendry taking over <laughs> at Storm's End. <laughs> and if they don't call it, Oh Lord, where he's like trying to learn. Like, <laughs> Adam Sandler could be his maester, like teaching him the ropes. I think, I think really that kind of writes itself. But other than that, you're, I think you're, probably right <laughs> I, I i'm i'm curious did they i wonder if they really got all of robert's bastard children when they went after them um because i feel like there were a lot of them so yes. you know there could just be a constant bickering over who's really the rightful heir to storm's end right <laughs> um, you know, i mean he's the, the only one we get a lot out of in the show right you know in the books there's a bunch of them that are irrelevant mm-hmm. So it'd be interesting to see uh, how that would all play out. Anything else you want to add? Anything else you want to touch on? I do have, I have two more things I do want to talk about. Okay. So, yeah. First of all, the Clegane Bowl. Happened. <laughs> we got it. Yes, we and, did. And it started with the greatest death in the series. Mm-hmm. Mr. Kyburn. Just <laughs> <laughs> kidding. Thrashed yeah. on those rocks. <laughs> it's perfect. <laughs> she is your queen, Smash. <laughs> <laughs> and you are a corpse. So, yeah, I mean, I just I was excited for the Clegane Bowl. I wanted to talk about it. I oh, said yeah. that piece. Yeah, I I really enjoyed it. Um, I was kind of sad to see them both go at the end of it, but I was like, well, you know, the the overarching message of that is revenge will kill you right that revenge is not a healthy way to to spend your life and right. that the hound kind of turned away from that for a while and then he hooked back up with Arya, and ultimately he's like no i gotta go kill this dude right um and yeah, so he like, turns Arya away from it which is good yeah right i think even the hound's message is more more positive than even that because he had to go through the fire to kill him and you know, facing his fears to conquer his, I mean, yeah, the, the, the revenge will kill you thing is there, but there's also the other side of this coin that's, you know, sometimes you're going to have to face down things you didn't want to in order to achieve a goal. Absolutely. That goal happens to be killing your brother, but goals are goals. (laughs) Yeah, true. Um, Yeah. So I, I was ultimately pretty satisfied by that story just because I really wanted to see that and it was awesome. Um, and so I'm really sad that I, th- I think probably the number one sad character death for me was Sander Clegane, but I would know, agree what it is. Uh, I wasn't really sad to see anybody else go necessarily, um, but that the hound hurt. But he's just he's just a, such a fantastic character, and yeah. the way that they used him, even though the seasons have been declining in quality, or you know even if it's just a pacing issue the way that they've used him in the, when he went with the group beyond the wall, you know, when John and Barrick and, and Gendry and, and those guys went beyond the wall for the first time. That was awesome. Like it's just, just using the hound in that way has been so cool. Yeah. I mean, starting in like season three, he was the most complicated character on television for for my money. Mm -hmm. He's the character that I was most invested in on television at all. Um, starting in like season three of Game of Thrones and seeing where he ended up and watching him go out that way, mm-hmm. uh, it, you know, brought a tear to my eye. Yeah, it was, it was I was uh, 
really excited just the way just watching the whole thing and then to see it and i was sure that game of thrones was going to devastate me and that uh the mountain was going to get the better of him but it's just like nope you're going down i'm going down too right and i was like okay if that's how you had to get it done i'm okay with it but what a great character uh rory mccann did a fantastic job so um you know, I've if I can't say it about everybody for sure, but I'm really thrilled with how his story arc wrapped up. Right. So, and then the only other thing I do have on that is speaking of story arcs wrapping up, or in this case, not wrapping up. We six episodes, four hundred plus minutes, and I got zero hot pie. Like, <laughs> come on, Game of Thrones, HBO, figure this out. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was kind of thinking maybe there would be a cabinet position for him somewhere. Right. Um, or that he would come up from below deck. Master of pies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or just like master of food. Um, you know, something like that. How's or it even him going like north to Winterfell and helping Sansa with her grain problem? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, everybody's an expert in something and he's definitely an expert in food. Um, so, you know, maybe I kind of like to think he's below deck on the ship with Arya. Um, that he's cooking for her. I and get they're that. journeying together. And so that if there was a spinoff, you know, you could have Arya and Hot Pie on adventures together. But uh, yeah, that's, I, I was trying to think of other characters that like, that we didn't see the rest of. And the only, the only other character that I was a little sad not to see was Mira Reed. Uh, right. And that I, like, I knew that she wasn't going to be in it because the actress said so. But right. um, she's off doing her own thing. Ellie Kendrick has, She's fine. She's got plenty else going on in her career right now. Yeah. Not have to worry about Game of Thrones. And they, and they included Hal and Reed, but they didn't say anything about it. So, like, they were like, oh, yeah, by the way, that was Hal and Reed. <laughs> See, <laughs> Isn't that, that weird? <laughs> when, yeah, so when all of the, the noble people from Westeros that were left were deciding what to do with Jon and Tyrion, Hal and Reed was sitting next to Sam. Oh, okay. He's one of like the four random people that we didn't yeah. know. So the only warrior from Robert's Rebellion that lives is Helen Reed. Huh. Yeah. And I, I was like, I kind of was like, that, it's weird that he's alive, but apparently he is. Yeah. So, um, that, that's a thing. Okay. Yeah, it was it, Edmure or was it Edmure Tully that stole the thunder from him? Gosh. Uh, because that, that, it was that scene where you really see him. <laughs> Sit down. (laughs) He he got put in his place, but I I mean, that was fantastic. Oh yeah, seeing Tobias Menzies show up for this again, somebody who doesn't need Game of Thrones right now, especially not three minutes. You know, I mean, he his career is fine without it, but to see him willing to come back and do that, (laughs) it's just really fantastic. Yeah, they probably just said, hey, man, we've got this really funny part for you, and we'll pay you to fly out to Ireland. And he's like, okay. Because um, right. <laughs> I would do that if I were him. Right. But I bet I be, um, he's probably filming something close by. Right. Outlander's probably filming out that way. That's what I was guessing. He's still involved in that. Um, hey, here, come come out here for a little while. You can hang out with the Game of Thrones cast and giant Sweet Robin. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, the glow up. They're comparing him to Neville Longbottom. Yes. He's the Neville of Game of Thrones. <laughs> you know, much less of a role, obviously, but it's just like I kind of looked at him and I was like, is that Robin Aaron? And apparently it is. Yes. So uh, that was a really 
I thought that was one of my one of the better scenes in the finale just because it was like here remember these people no you don't we're gonna put them here anyway um (laughs) but uh it was just it was a great scene and yeah turns out Helen Reed was was a part of that so that's crazy I didn't even realize that that's who that was yeah and they I read up on it and it was yeah that was supposed to be him and he was uh you know he's just not had that big of a part but yeah. he was I wonder if maybe four other episodes could have helped with that. Yeah, you know, you'd think. Um <laughs> But uh yeah, so like and he was the only other time they even really mentioned him was that he was there outside the tower when Bran discovers John. You know, when he discovers John's parentage, right. Alan Reed is kind of a part of that plot. Um so he's the only I think does does he know? I feel like he maybe knows. He, I think he's, I think he knows, or he at least has some idea of right. what's going on with that. So, um, yeah, that that's probably the significance of it, and that's probably why they decided to bring him. But I, it was, it was weird. But at the same time, it's like, well, okay, so at least they gave us some closure on that family since Mira's gone, right? Um, and that that helped. That's the only character that I was even like, other than Hot Pie, where I was even like wondering oh i wonder what happened to them uh because you know i didn't really care about dario naharis that much no he i mean he served his purpose but there there was nothing more for him to do him jack and hagar you know right. the waif all we don't need any of these guys anymore we don't yeah the is done we're dealing with how westeros is going to end yeah 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 um any final thoughts on Game of Thrones? I think we've covered it all, or all we can. <laughs> all right. Well, you know, uh, reach out to us on Twitter if you want to talk about more about Game of Thrones. I'm sure that we could just keep going forever. Absolutely. Yeah, there's always more Game of Thrones to talk about. But, but we'll, um, for now, we'll move on to our segment called Infinite Playlist, a segment dedicated to our most recent favorite things. So, Adam, what are you loving right now? I, I mentioned this last time. I, I have a tendency not to focus. I'm a little <laughs> all over the place right now. Uh, okay. But I, I have been reading quite a lot lately. Okay. Uh, I'm fully invested in the Enderverse. For those who are familiar with it as that, um, who are not, those who are not familiar with it, um, it's the Ender Game, Ender's Game novels. Um, so it's Ender's Game, and then there's some sequels to that that didn't quite gain as much traction as the original book did. Right. Um, and then there's a spinoff series that I'm fully invested in right now. I'm, I've read Ender's Game for like the 50th time and I'm reading the Bean books now. Uh, so that, that's where a lot of my time is going. Um, okay. I'm just prepping for the Final Fantasy V Four Job Fiesta, which starts here in a couple weeks. Cool. Well, so, it sounds like you're keeping busy. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, so I, I have the first Ender's Game book, but I've never read it. I highly recommend it. <laughs> uh, maybe I should get on that. I knew they made a movie too, but then it didn't do well. So they it was it was okay. Yeah. Um, the, the there's things that happen in the book. There's things that they do in the book that just can't translate to a movie, right. and because they don't translate, the movie didn't work. Okay. Like there there are things that are crucial to the elements of the story that cannot be translated the way you'd want them to. Huh. 
Well, that's interesting. I'm uh, I'm always looking for new books to read. I'm a little behind. Uh, I've been sticking to comic books because they've been easier for me to get through quickly. Right. Um, and you know, just side note, the Power Rangers comic books are really good right now. So if you're interested in that kind of thing, they're worth checking out. I have, I have not had a chance to pick those up yet, but they are on my hit list. Uh, yeah, I was going to, and then I, I, I listened to the Ender's Game audiobook is what I did, because I listened to a lot of audiobooks driving to and from work. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, okay, now I'm stuck. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I, I wasn't going to add a ton but I did just watch um, on Netflix over the weekend. I watched the new movie "Always Be My Maybe," the uh, romantic comedy with Ali Wong and Randall Park. Okay, and uh, it's really funny. Uh, I don't. I don't know that it's groundbreaking, other than the sense that it's two Asian leads, but they're very talented actors, Ali and and Randall. Uh, and th- maybe the best part is that. Keanu Reeves has an extended cameo um, nice. and he's just like, he steals the show. Like everybody's like, it's the year of Keanu Reeves because <laughs> the third movie in a row gets a 90s something on Rotten Tomatoes and it does well at the box office and now, and they've announced Bill and Ted 3 and now Keanu Reeves has had this scene stealing cameo in Always Be My Maybe and, and Randall Park's character, uh, spoiler alert, Randall Park's character at one point punches Keanu Reeves who's playing a heightened version of Keanu Reeves (laughs) and so the rest of the movie they're like hey remember that time I punched Keanu Reeves (laughs) it's it's absolutely fantastic Um, just a really well made movie I uh, highly recommend it Keanu Reeves is having a big year because he just stole the stole the show in that Toy Story 4 trailer too yeah Yeah, was it Duke Kaboom yeah so that's the when that was the other person on the year of Keanu Reeves article that I saw was it was John Wick and Keanu Reeves and Always Be My Maybe and then Duke Kaboom all like right in a row. So uh, it's a big year for Keanu Reeves. Uh, don't sleep on Always Be My Maybe. Definitely have to check that out. And there's some Mariah Carey soundtrack too, obviously. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so short and sweet segment but make sure you guys check out at the ender's game books and always be my maybe on netflix and i do want to if i may if you may indulge me i do want to i do want to hype up the final fantasy 5 4 job fiesta real quick okay for those of you who are not familiar with it final fantasy 5 is an old final fantasy game came out um several 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 years ago Mm-hmm. And on Twitter, you can go to at Gil or at Final Fantasy FF Five for Futures. The account is called Gilgabot, um, or go to fourjobfiesta.com. It is a charity event that I feel pretty passionately about. I play every year. I donate every year. Um, it, it raises money for the Child's Play charity uh, that puts games into the hands of kids who have been hospitalized or. Um, into game rooms at hospitals to kind of give kids an escape um, and show them, you know, some things about gaming that they didn't always know and to give them kind of just something else to think about. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I really recommend getting involved with this, especially if you're a Final Fantasy fan, um, because playing through the Fiesta, what it is is you, there's different jobs you can pick for your characters or whatever. 
and you get assigned four different jobs. And those are the only ones you can use. And it's a way to kind of figure out how to play through the game with just those limited abilities. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of fun. Um, there's a big community that does it every year. I want to say they raised $18,000 last year doing this. Uh, had six or 700 people play through. Um, so you get on Twitter, find at FF5 for futures mm -hmm. um, and get involved with that. There's, like I said, there's this big community, always people talking about it, always people streaming it. Um, and it's just a lot of fun, something we do in the summer every year. Um, and awesome. all the money goes to a really good cause. Yeah, that sounds great. Um, I appreciate you telling everybody about that. And hopefully uh, we'll get some, some eyeballs for it and some more attention for it. Um, the more we grow this audience. So <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Thanks for sharing. Yes. Thank you for indulging me. Yeah. Anytime. That's what really, that's the whole point of this podcast. Um, <laughs> so finally, our segment called Artist Highlight, where we explore the career works of a chosen artist. The first artist I've chosen is Robin Williams. Um, and I chose Robin Williams mostly because he has a finite body of work, but is extensive. So uh, surprisingly, we've not touched on his major hits yet and instead have done the 1980 Popeye and 1997's Flubber. And so what Adam and I have chosen to do this time is What Dreams May Come, a significant departure from both Popeye and Flubber. Yes, um, quite different from his other body of work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So just some, some little tidbits. Um, it's directed by Vincent Ward who I, w I looked through his filmography and I didn't recognize anything except that he was a writer on alien three. Um, so that's something uh, he wrote that. Uh, and then the writers were the novels by Richard Matheson, but then uh, Ron Bass wrote the screenplay and he has uh, pretty extensive writing credits. He wrote rain man, joy luck club, how Stella got her groove back, Amelia, um, he's got quite a few uh, films that I recognize on his list. So there's a dangerous least... minds was the one I saw on there that had me. That was the one I noticed first. Yeah. Um, and then other than Robin Williams, this movie has Cuba Gooding jr. Uh, which side note, my wife had never heard of Cuba Gooding jr. She didn't, she just didn't recognize. <laughs> she never, she didn't recognize his name. And I was like, uh, well, I know that you and I watched The People vs. O.J. Simpson, first of all. So, like, don't tell me you don't know who he is. You just didn't know his name. But it, was, it just threw me for a loop. I was like, how do you not know Cuba Gooding Jr.? Like, who from my generation has not seen Snow Dogs? Goodness I, gracious. Like, um, <laughs> this is the greatest film about the Iditarod of all time. <laughs> um, so... Yeah, so there's Cuba Gooding Jr., uh, Annabella Sciorra, and Max von Sydow, who I'm, I'm a big Being fan. Being the Merciless. And uh, the, the original Three-Eyed Raven. Yes. So um, so what are your thoughts on What Dreams May Come? This is a film, it's good. I, I highly recommend it. Um, but you want to be in a headspace where you can really appreciate what they're trying to do with this film. Mm -hmm. um, it, it did not do well at the box office uh, because of the nature of the kind of movie it was. You know, you see, you go and see one, when you want to see Robin Williams in a movie, you want to see Flubber or Popeye or 
any of his other comedy stuff. And this is not a comedy. Um, You know, Robin Williams brings that kind of comedic patter and the timing and just kind of his presence to it. Mm -hmm. But it's a very different type of script um, that really makes you think and really, you know, you really want to dive into it and, you know, really go through it with a fine tooth comb and pick out all these little pearls of wisdom and kind of apply them to what you've seen and what, how you live your life. Um, Absolutely. I can't say for a lot of other Robin Williams films, you know, flubber did not make me (laughs) reevaluate the way I, the way I perceived the afterlife. What? It didn't, Um, (laughs) man, we're really different. Uh, (laughs) Just kidding. Uh, No, you're absolutely right. Um, I, uh, been a lot of time i've i saw this movie once when i was in college um i was just really into obscure stuff like that when i was in college um we all were it's fine <laughs> it was one of those phases i went through um and so i i thought it was really interesting but it wasn't like you know it's not one of those like that tops your rewatch list it's not like oh man you know i'm feeling down today i'm gonna go watch what dreams may come Right, really, it's not something that people do. Right, quite the opposite. Like, oh man, I'm having too good of a day. Let's go. <laughs> let's watch. Let's watch this and requiem for a dream. That, that'll yeah. really bring you down. Oh my goodness. Um, so this, I watched it again for this, and this is only the second time I've seen it, and it did change quite a bit for me, just because now I'm a parent, and I hadn't even really remembered that they lost their kids before he died, and so. I was just like, Oh my gosh, that's rough. Like it was, it was emotional. Uh, and then, you know, discovering his kids in the afterlife, that was just kind of an emotional experience for me. I didn't really, I didn't get as emotional as I did in Avengers Endgame, but <laughs> I did get emotional. Uh, and so the, the whole concept of afterlife, just exploring that in general is really interesting to me because on the one hand, you've got like the good place, which is, funny and lighthearted, but also explore some ser- more serious ideas about the afterlife. And then what dreams may come is just kind of on the opposite end, you know, it's um, very serious in tone, but also, you know, there's, there's Robin Williams who, who kind of uh, gives you those comedic breaks, like the co- comic relief in a, in a Shakespeare drama. Um, and but you're getting tragedy. both of those from the same guy which right. is this kind of you know your lead who's going through all this emotional turmoil is your comedic relief um, yeah kind of you know it's a little bit different from the normal kind of comedy role and the normal kind of I mean normal anything really yeah um, but on the whole it's really fascinating to me just uh the way they did it and the way that they said you know they handled the kids in the afterlife and that they were just like well let's just use these really good actors and then we'll uh right look different in the afterlife um (laughs) i thought that was really funny but also just you know it's kind of interesting maybe you can look however you want in the afterlife and it was interesting because you see you see the one the girl who decides to look a particular way because her dad saw somebody like that one time and thought she was pretty. Mm-hmm. So she decides to go after that for her, for what, her, what she's going to look like for all of eternity. And it's interesting 
to see her do that and then see the son who wants the respect of his father. So he goes after somebody who his father respected in life uh, and just kind of the interesting way that that plays out between Robin Williams character and his children slash guardian angels slash helpers in the afterlife. Mm-hmm. It's all just very interesting. Yeah. Um, and really just the, uh, I really like the way I'm not much of a, an art person. Like uh, my art is acting and, and directing and, and singing and, and things like that. You know, um, my art is, is watching films and TV shows and it's right. not um, art art. But what I, something I really appreciated about what dreams may come is the heavy influence of art. Um, just the way that they use art to kind of connect to connect in people's minds, what the afterlife was supposed to be like, or the, their vision of the afterlife. Uh, Cause you know, he, he wakes up and he's, he's in one of those paintings Right, he's in one of her paintings. But yeah. There's also, and I, I'm not a student of art either, um, but looking through kind of some of the trivia and some of the different things about this, there are paintings that, you know, I do recognize famous paintings that are brought into this to help guide people along with the art piece of it mm-hmm. and with kind of the feeling of it and how you know, how they're getting through the afterlife and how things are supposed to move and all that's brought in through the art. I just thought that was interesting that there's, there's, you know, the pieces they created for this film and then the pieces that they brought into this film to kind of help tie all that into reality and make this story more cohesive. Right. And so all I can really tell you about the art is that, that it's heavily influenced by art and that they use art as, as a, something to move the plot along. But I still appreciate it, you know, um, and I'm, I know nothing about it. So um, I recognize that it's, it's just one of those cool artistic things that um, it's really visually stunning film. And so, and it honestly feels a little ahead of its time in terms of visuals for, for 1998. Um, But all of that really impressed me (laughs) or I just, didn't remember that from the first time I watched it. Yeah. I, I remembered the emotional toll, the storytelling took on me. Um, but I, I did not remember the, just how beautiful the film is. I mean, just watching it on mute, you could sit there and enjoy it because mm-hmm. of the way it's constructed, even, you know, the hell scenes and the, you know, some of the darker scenes where they don't use all that vibrant color, but there's, they've still constructed this afterlife universe in mm-hmm. such a way that it's, it's very visually, I, I don't even know the word I'm looking for captivating maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And the, you know, they, it seems like they did a lot to make it that way. There was lots of uh, flying effects and, and, uh, Robin Williams seemed to spend a lot of time in the water wearing a suit. Um, (laughs) But, you know, it it works. It kind of, that uh, feeling of helplessness is, is real and it does feel like you're drowning. Um, So the way that they illustrated that visually is just, it's really cool. So I think uh, that's kind of what I was hoping to get out of this segment, just a, a better appreciation for some of the stuff that, 
this actor has done, especially because most people remember him for being a goof, uh, you know, somebody that just would cut up to try to make people laugh. And then you just get very small glimpses of that watching this movie. Right. You, you recognize this is Robin Williams and that's him being a goof, but it's very like, they just wanted to remind you that that's who he is um, or draw you out to see the movie or to keep watching. But really it's, it's a totally different thing. Yeah. And it, it really speaks to him as an actor to see that he, he is capable of this. Mm-hmm. He is capable of doing a dramatic role and doing it well. Mm-hmm. He just, he wanted to do comedy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wanted to make people laugh. He wanted to make people feel a particular way. And, you know, seeing that piece of it is, you know, it makes you feel good knowing that that's what, that's what the legacy he wanted to leave. And that's the legacy he left. Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I miss seeing him on my screen all the time, but I'm comforted knowing that he did all of, he was capable of doing things like what dreams may come, but he chose to bring joy to other people more. Right. You know, more frequently there's still you know final cut and one hour photo and stuff like that that we haven't gotten to but uh <laughs> for another podcast <laughs> yeah um, so do you have anything else you want to add about what dreams may come um i i do and i don't know if we want to touch on this or not but there's there's something a little bit poetic about in the film his wife kills herself because she can't cope with the hand she's been dealt and the way the world is around her. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I mean, anybody who's listening to this and knows the work of Robin Williams knows, you know, five years ago, um, the man took his own life mm-hmm. and just, you know, you wonder how much, you know, how much good he's brought and how much he's talked, how many people have gone through something and gotten through it because of his work here mm-hmm. that he couldn't get through himself. Yeah. Um, it, it definitely makes you wonder if he had, you know, if he'd listened to himself every now and then, would he still be with us today? Um, right. But it's just, it, it does. Um, I noticed that too, just it added the, that weight to it to recognize that, that's how Robin Williams left this world more or less. Mm-hmm. Um, and his absence is sorely recognized, you know, um, I definitely, you know, I'd line up to see the night at the museum movies. Um, right. and there probably won't be another one because there's no more Robin Williams. So, Right. And you, I mean, right now with the prevalence of Aladdin in the news and Will Smith as the genie and oh, Robin Williams was the genie and, you know, it just, it brings into perspective how much is missing from the film world and gone. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this, this film in particular has really kind of brought that home for me um, in a way that I hadn't really contemplated since, you know, since I heard the news originally all those years ago. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's, uh, and you know, that's, that's, uh, just the response to it's 
what I'm trying to say is that it's still a common thing. You know, there's the 13 reasons why is in, is in the news a lot for, for being a negative influence. Um, but just that it's, it's still so real, you know, um, half of the gun deaths in the United States are suicides. And so, um, I like that this, this film kind of, it presents a relatively hopeful look at that, but also just that it recognizes how it feels that it recognizes the weight of the world and the way people respond to that. Right. It, it doesn't shy away from it being a reality. Right. Um, and that's maybe what I like most about it. Just that it, the way that it deals with it in a, in a, this is very real. Let's see if I can capture what you're really going through and right. maybe that will help you heal. Uh, so I really appreciate that. Got anything else? Anything else you want to add? Um, no, I wish I did. I don't really want to end it on such a downer, but <laughs> <laughs> no, that's okay. Uh, you know, next time we'll do night at the museum three and it'll be fine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's plenty of happy Robin Williams works. We just didn't touch on one this time. Right. So, uh, well, if that's it, Adam, uh, remind everybody where they can follow you. Um, find me on Twitter at fraud syndrome. Um, F R F R A U D S Y N D R O M E. Um, I've been tweeting a lot about final fantasy lately. So like, <laughs> if you're not into that, maybe, you know, follow me, then mute me. That's what's coming <laughs> up a lot right now. Um, but you know, and then I, I will also tweet out, um, the, the link to the four job fiesta and all that. That way that's on there for those of you who are interested. Yes, please do that. Um, and as I've said before, uh, the podcast where I'm still working on getting the website set up, but I'm a little bogged down with projects at the moment. So it's a miracle that I'm just able to record all of this. Hey, you've had this new baby in your house for a month. Get it figured out. <laughs> <laughs> How are you not already on a routine? I'm, I'm I'm working on it. I was just I got to the point last week where I was like, oh man, I haven't done a podcast in a month. So I started getting the ball rolling again. So for now, there's not a website, there's not a Twitter account, but uh, I've pretty much commandeered the hashtag Nick's Infinite playlist. Uh, so if you guys have suggestions of things you want to hear or just thoughts on the podcast, um, I do follow that hashtag and I would love to hear them. Um. And otherwise, you can follow me at Nikki A. Hogan on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, and I don't use Instagram that much, but if you want to see cute pictures of my kid, that, that's the place to go. Um, <laughs> I do recommend that. Again, she's adorable. <laughs> uh, and so, you know, I'm, I'm covering Fear the Walking Dead this summer at Telltale TV. I'm covering Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. this summer at Telltale TV. And I'm always looking for suggestions, especially for the podcast. So if you got them for me, hit me up. Um, thanks again, Adam, for coming on. Hey, thanks for having me. And this has been Nick's Infinite Playlist. So long, everybody.